Good day. I want to welcome you to Dispensational Ministries podcast. The message will concern Satan's devices and the truth concerning what I consider some alarming matters in the battle of good and evil in America. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11 says, Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. No general will engage in combat without first knowing everything he can about his enemy. Well, in America, the battle has begun, and it is in full-throated, all-out war for righteousness and the hearts and minds of men and women across this land. Satan, sometimes referred to as the devil, is a real, live being. There are many, many references to Satan, the devil, as a real, live being who exists and who is in complete and dedicated and fervent opposition to God and the things of God and the people of God. He is the author of evil in God's creation. In fact, he is in every way the personification of evil. His entire purpose in his being is to oppose the will of God and the plan of God and the design of God any way that he can. And because he is the enemy of God, he has made an all-out assault on God's people and determined them to be his enemy. Now, I have a, for available for free distribution a four-volume booklet study entitled The Battle for Good and Evil in America. In those booklets, we have attempted to show not only the extreme moral decline in America, but reveal the source and the power behind that decline. It has not risen to prominence by accident. It has come about by intelligent design. We know from the scriptures that Satan is a created being, but he's a very powerful created being, but yet he is a created being. We know that he fell from his place in heaven because he attempted to ascend to the very throne of God. He wants to be God, and he desires to assume the power and majesty of God himself. It seems from the scriptures that he fell to earth and became the God with a little g of this world. It is clear from the Bible that the kingdoms of the world are his kingdoms. Being a created being, some have asked, well, how did Satan become to be so evil and vile? Well, that is one of those unanswerable questions in the Bible. We do not know the answer. He is, uh, we, uh, he, Satan, as we are, is a created free will being, and that he has become so filled with pride that he began to place himself above the very God who created him. Not unlike what took place with mankind in the garden when he fell into sin. The same pride and arrogancy that consumed Satan and caused his fall has also afflicted mankind. Another unanswerable question about him that some people often pose is if all this is so, then why does God allow this opposition to continue? 
Why doesn't God just simply put, wipe him from existence? Well, maybe for the same reason God has not obliterated the human race. We really do not know, and God has not said or given us the reasons for either question. But in his cunning craftiness, Satan has succeeded or did succeed in deceiving a third part of the angelic beings and convinced them to rebel against God and the whole lot of them were expelled from heaven. The prevailing belief in America today is that Satan is a mere mystical character. They consider him to be a lie that was made up to scare little children into behaving. But in the truth of the word of God, he is a living being who is the personification of evil. The same devil who is so deceiving that he could deceive one third of the angelic host of heaven. Beings who stood in the presence of the God who made them. That same being deceived the the majority of mankind. And doing so was no small task for him. In our four-volume booklet said, I explained some of the matters that are taught concerning Satan and his power, his ability to deceive and interfere with the plan and design of God in his creation, why God has allowed Satan's existence to continue, and why he continues to permit his interference is never explained. It is merely revealed in the Bible, the fact that he is a living being and his designs and purposes. The scriptures warn us of his many tactics and cautions us to be ever alert to his wiles. One of those extremely effective tactics that Satan has used, and he uses it repeatedly, is to convince men and women that he does not exist. If we do not know we have a sworn enemy whose very purpose in in existence is our destruction, we'd never know to be on the lookout for his attacks and his devices. The moral decay that has infested the American society has spread like a virus all throughout American society, and it has really spread rapidly. The illogical morality that's gripping America was once recognized for what it truly is not very long ago. What now is often considered moral among many was in recent times known to be immoral and perverted and in direct violation of the righteous standards of God. But now, things that just a few short years ago were considered perverse, immoral, unrighteous, are now taunted as good and noble and even righteous. I personally call this new morality illogical morality, because it is steeped in illogical intelligence and thinking. It is astounding how the logical thinking process and capabilities of many in this country have been infected with a form of incomprehensible insanity. Men and women in America have lost the ability to be able to correctly discern even logical reality itself. Matters of clear and very apparent logic and truth concerning unmistakable realities of life have become beyond the ability of many men and women's ability to comprehend in much of American society. Their thinking process and discernment 
is incoherent. It is incomprehensible. To use an old word not heard very often is inscrutable. And more often than not, it's just simply unintelligible. To most clear-minded people, their thinking process seems to be or to come from some form of insanity. It is almost as if an extreme darkness and mist of evil has engulfed American society in a way that we have never experienced. And many have left, been left amazed at the overwhelming presence of the darkness in society. It is very common for many whose minds have yet to be scrambled with this evil to pause in wonderment and ask, what on earth is going on with people? They know something is wrong, in fact, very wrong, but they have yet to discern the how and whys of it all. They see the rise in lunacy, the rise in evil, hatred, violence, perversion, and the whole host of societal ills, but they are mystified to understand why or discern its source. And more often than not, they are looking in the wrong place for the right answers. America went from a place where the moral laws and standards of God were recognized and for the most part adhered to into a rapid freefall of moral debauchery and amorality. Most of the, this immoral lunacy has gripped American society, has gained dominance in just the last 50 or so years. I will explain why I have concentrated and limited this message to America and her extreme spiritual decline later on in this message and maybe a little more in the next message to come and will be volume two of this message. But I grew up in a time in American society where things were much, much different. We were taught that public prayer, even our public schools, or in our public schools, was noble and righteous. We were taught to be proud of our country, stand for the national anthem, put our hands over our hearts as a pledge to our flag. Faith in God as our creator was commonplace. And the observance of at least his divine moral law was accepted and observed by the vast majority of men and women in America. Common morality was common. And I'll explain why this is so important, I hope, to be able to do that in these two messages. Why is it right that as Americans, we must be concerned about America as a nation of men and women? In most of American society, the Bible in times past was honored, reverenced, and respected as the Word of God. It was accepted among most of the young people in America that such matters as sex outside of marriage was unacceptable and in violation of the moral law of God. The drug, alcohol, and crime epidemic had yet to gain prominence in most communities. Children could walk down the street or down a county road in most places of America without fear of being assaulted, kidnapped, or molested. A family could enjoy their meal in the local restaurants without having to listen to or tolerate loud and vile conversation from the people next to them. Conversations which were or now laced with profanity and perverse speech and words were not anywhere, those words were not anywhere as commonplace out in society 
as they are today. Vile, perverse language. It was commonly observed that men watched their language in front of women and children. Husbands and fathers expected others to respect their wives and children by the dignity of the words they used in front of them. And if one did not, they were called out for it. Now it's common that the most, most vile of language is used by parents in front of their children and is allowed to be piped in their homes by way of TV and radio and the vast array of social media is available on the Internet. The moral standards observed just a short time ago were not situations and attitudes which were isolated in some obscure utopian area of America. It was just not what they call now the Bible Belt. They were commonplace moral standards of conduct for one end of America to the other. I know that firsthand. As a young boy, my family and I lived in 42 of the lower 48 states in America. We traveled as a family from one end of America to the other, from New York to California, and we took up residence in every one of those 42 states. In many places, they were short periods of time, but long enough to know and remember the conditions that were prevalent everywhere we traveled. In some years, I was enrolled and attended more than six, maybe seven public schools. We ate in restaurants, shopped in department stores, had friends and playmates from one end of this country to the other. And I can attest to the fact that the common moral decency and righteous moral standards of God were respected and observed in every place we traveled, even in the public school system. The immoral lunacy and incomprehensible insanity had yet to take place and take hold on the majority of American men and women. But it did, and it has, and it's come about in a relatively short period of time. How did matters of sin, perverse, perversion, debauchery, depravity, want and disregard for the righteous standards of God increase so rapidly in America? What was or is behind the rapid licentiousness? It could not have taken place in a short time unless there was some type of intelligent design and plan behind it, ever promoting and fostering its rise to prominence. Its presence, present dominance in America had to come from a designed conspiracy. How did the insanity of this time rise to such dominance in American society? In the four-book volume that I mentioned above or earlier, I attempt to explain the power and force behind this rapid rise of what is an unmistakable dominance in America. I'd highly recommend the listener contact us and we'll be glad to send you a copy of those four volumes free of charge. You can contact us at dmbcga at gmail.com. That source of designed evil is identified in the Bible as an evil being called the devil. But he has a personal name, and his personal name is Satan. 
In this message, allow me to explain some of the tactics and devices he has used to bring the lunacy of intelligence and moral decline to America. They are the same evil tools he has used since the beginning to corrupt men and women all throughout the centuries. He's had certainly had a lot of practice. And he is extremely adept at what he does. He is not an all-powerful being. He is not omniscient, and he is not omnipresent. That is, he cannot be in more than one place at a time. But he certainly has devices that are sufficient to corrupt an overwhelming vast amount of men and women. The first thing that he uses in his arsenal is that he tells or begins with a lie in the form of a question. Or he proposes a lie of a matter like, what if? In the book of John, chapter 8, the Lord Jesus said, Ye are of your father's, your father, the devil. And the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. The greatest device of Satan and evil is to tell a lie. Then he fervently promotes the lie. He repeats the lie over and over again. Tells it often and fervently. Twists the truth with deceitful words and canned phrases to the point that it sounds plausible. But Paul said it this way. And by good words and fair speeches, deceive the hearts of the simple. Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 3, If any man teach otherwise, and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but dotting, that word is spelled D-O-T-I-N-G in the Bible, dotting about questions. And strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, railing, evil surmisings, perverse disputing, dis, uh, disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth. Yes, deceive as many as possible into believing the lie. And then enlist them in spreading the lie. The more people who are used by evil to repeat the lie, the more people will become to believe the lie. Use the lie to create a false perception of what many will become to perceive as common knowledge. And when asked, they'll say, well, everyone knows it's true. Repeat the lie over and over again until it becomes common false knowledge. Paul, in his epistles, lays out some tactics, lying tactics of evil. You just ask a question that suggests evil or wrongdoing. Or that casts a shadow of doubt over the truth. Or simply pose or suggest a lie as a possibility. Ask a question that brings a suspicion of doubt. Ask a question that sows a corrupt seed of doubt. Put some kind of corrupt doubt into the minds of the hearers. Put something in the back of their their mind so that they will always have this vague shadow of doubt about the truth. Ask a question or propose a 
false situation or circumstance in the form of a what if and make up a false narrative that brings what Paul said, but dotting about questions and strifes of words whereof cometh. Paul gives us four things here that these dotting questions bring about. Envy. You use people's natural tendency towards jealousy and envy or ill will of someone. Many have a natural tendency to want to see the bad in others in order to excuse their own envy, their own evil. Strife of words, he said up in in 1 Timothy. Generate a dotting question that would begin a giant controversy that would result in the following strife and contentions. Words that are designed to cause and sow divisions among people. He used the word railings. That is a vilification of someone or of the truth. And that vilification leads to a flurry of anger and wild accusations, even hatred and violence, harsh and vile words, vitriolic and venomous and caustic words. Kind of similar to inciting a right by the use of words. They use words to eviscerate anyone who refutes their lies. They use words to destroy anyone who opposes their lies. Words that resort to character assassination, false accusation, demeaning and bullying their detractors into silence. Paul says they use evil surmisings. Evil conclusions which were devised from lies and untruth, which began with a question of doubt about the truth. It does not have to be true. It only has to be perceived as truth in the minds of those who have believed the lie. If a person's conclusions or premises are wrong, then their actions in response to their conclusions, their wrong conclusions and wrong premises, will be corrupted and wrong. Dotting questions, just dotting a single question of doubt. Just put those questions of doubt and lies out there in the minds and thoughts of men and women. Just permeate society with dots of lies. Sprinkle them all over like evil seeds being thrown out in the hope that they will take root and grow in their evil and vile maturity. If they take root and grow, then they will eventually bear fruit. Evil and vile, perverted fruit. The devil did the same thing with Eve when he said in Genesis 3, And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Satan designed what he said to Eve in the form of a question that seemed to agree with her that God said this, yet in his evil devices it really served two purposes. On the one hand it affirmed what God said, but on the other it cast doubt on what he said. Is that really what he said or is that what he meant? Did God really mean what he said? Then he cunningly went on from there to call God a liar and a deceiver. He said to Eve, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and you shall be as gods and know, or knowing good and evil. On one hand, he agreed with what God said. But then he turned it and said, but this is the reason he said it. God was lying to you. 
He had an evil reason for telling you not to eat of the tree of life in the garden. The devil is extremely adept at the spreading of lies against the truth of God. Oh, we cannot trust the Bible because it's filled with errors, mistakes, myths, and legends. It cannot be the actual word of God. If the authority of God is brought into doubt and distrust, then the validity and authority to command action can be destroyed. If it is not the inspired word of God and sees a doubt can be sown in the hearts and minds of people, then they'll ask themselves, well, why should I obey what it has to say? By the time I arrived at high school, I began to see a rise in teachers being allowed to defame the Bible as the word of God in their classrooms. It was shocking at first. And when I was in high school, it had yet to become commonplace. But it was there, and it was on the increase. I remember when I was in the 12th grade, we had a male teacher. And he said in front of the class that he did not celebrate Christmas because he did not believe in God. As I remember it, the entire classroom of students were shocked that a teacher would actually stand in front of his students and say such a thing. Yes, the unbelieving teachers then many years ago were in the minority, but over time they have become the vast majority. Now it's not only commonplace in the public school system, it is encouraged and rewarded. Satan began by telling a lie, promoting a false attitude in America towards the Bible as the Word of God, and he produced false, supposed new, better translations in the process that disrespected and changed the actual words of God. He passed those false translations off as more enlightened copies of the Bible, but they are, in fact, corruptions of the inspired truth of the Word of God. He has extremely created doubt in the minds of men and women from one end of this country to the other concerning the validity of yea hath God said. America has been permeated with canned lies from evil that it is on the verge of becoming terminally ill with perversion and debauchery. He has turned both guns on America so far. He has been right on target. He has hit the bullseye of perversion. So why America? If Satan is a real being, why would he focus so much time and energy in destroying American culture and society? Because basically the base reason for America's founding in the first place freedom, and especially religious freedom. It used to be commonly taught and understood in young people that the first pilgrims came to the shore of America to escape religious persecution in Europe. That used to be commonly known and taught from elementary age all the way up concerning American history. America has been for 200 years the main refuge for the gospel of Jesus Christ and for the furtherance of the gospel of Christ. Fundamental Christian churches in America have been busy for decades sending out missionaries armed with the gospel to all parts of the world. For over 200 years, America had the truth of God and God was honored 
in America, and in return, God has honored that effort in blessings to America. The blessings of God inside any nation of men and women can always be measured according to the degree of those people's devotion to the truth of God. It is truly no mystery as to why America has prospered so far beyond anything that has come before her in history. It has been true since the beginning that righteousness exalteth the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. I'm not saying that all or even the majority of men and women who have lived and died in America have all been righteous men and women because in truth they have not. They have not all been firmly founded and grounded in the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ and eternal salvation. They just have not. But the moral standards of God as a society of people have been the standard upon which this country was based, founded, and managed for 250 years. There is a real reason why in the Constitution it says that we are one nation under God. God has honored that one basic divine principle. The very legal system in the United States of America's Constitution was written with the basic moral principles of the Word of God ingrained into our legal system. Now, I love America. Not because I was born here, not because she has always been virtuous and right and pure. She has not. But because through it all, one word has reigned and provided men the means of communicating the gospel of Jesus Christ. One word, freedom. Yes, America has had her problems. But like any good person who has fallen into wrong, she has been able to fight her way back and rectify and set right many of her wrongs. There's nothing wrong in being an American patriot. A patriot. In fact, there's everything scripturally right about it. Long ago, God ordained human government and set the habitations of their boundaries. Men and women are to live inside those boundaries, mind their own business, as much as life within us, live in peace and worship God in the truth of God. That is His divine will for all nations. Patriotism comes from that ordaining of God and boundaries. Remember, righteousness exalted a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Every right thinking, thinking, an emotionally stable person wants no more than for their children and grandchildren and great-great-grandchildren to live and grow up in a country, a community, where they are free from the onslaughts of evil. As Christians, we simply, we simply want our heritage to live in peace, safety, and some measure of prosperity, and have the liberty to worship and serve the Lord Jesus Christ without fear of persecution and the overwhelming, consuming influence and domination of evil. That is what Paul told us in the Scriptures. He said, if it be possible, as much as life in you, Live peaceably with all men. He said in 1 Thessalonians 4, And that you study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you that you walk honestly towards them that are without 
and that ye have a lack of nothing. But also in the scriptures, there are extreme times when that is not possible. And God's people must recognize those times and take determined stands for the truth of God. Paul told the people in Corinth to watch ye stand fast in the faith. Quit ye like men. Be strong. These times, the times we are currently living in, is most certainly one of those extreme times. America, America, as far as the presenting of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to the world of mankind, is beyond doubt the last hope. Where else on this planet is the job of furthering the gospel of Jesus Christ going to go? And be able to have the resources that America has been blessed with to spread that gospel. My friend, there is no other place. In the next study, I'll try and explain how the situation took place that seeded the gospel of Christ in America and how it spread to our shores and how, as it spread, its truth apostatized behind it in the lands and countries from which it originated and where it came. As a student of history, I can tell you without a doubt and with absolute certainty that if it had not been for America and her missionary work, there would be no honest truthful gospel presence on this planet. Oh, there'd be plenty of religion, even so-called false Christian religion, that would be in abundance. But the honest and true gospel of Jesus Christ and salvation by grace through faith would have perished from this planet hundreds of years ago. Evil is never satisfied with just being tolerated. It always seeks to conquer and dominate its victims. The very base nature of evil is aggression and dominance. There is never a place of compromise with evil. Evil is never satisfied with merely being tolerated or allowed to exist. It always seeks to assimilate everyone it encounters into its debauchery and sin. God's people need to fully understand this and the source behind the the kind of present evil we are seeing spread all across this country. It is recorded in the scriptures and the word of God and it gives us the only true resources we must have to battle and eventually defeat the onslaughts of evil. My friend, if you have listened to this message in its entirety, please do not discount the validity of what has been said here. There is an all-out assault of evil in progress in this country. And for the sake of everything you love and hold dear, take this truth of evil to heart. The presence of evil in American society affects more than nationalism or patriotism or loyalty to a specific form of government. It's just being born into a country and pledging allegiance to that country. It goes way, way beyond that. It strikes to the heart of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and the very freedoms we have won over the years which have allowed us to communicate the truth of the gospel of God to a world of lost men and women. The spiritual well-being of our families, our communities, our very freedom is at stake. America used to be a place where parents could send their children off to school in the morning and not 
fear them becoming brainwashed by the psycho-humanistic denials of men and women who are working feverishly to instill the brand of atheistic, humanistic unbelief into their young minds and hearts and souls and spirits. But those days have passed, and as a result, Satan's evil designs have permeated every facet of our society. And its sole purpose is and has been to eradicate the righteous and moral standards of our holy God from our society. And in so doing, it is intention to stop, hinder, any way that it can, the furtherance of the gospel of the saving grace that is only found in Jesus Christ. Evil's goal is now and has always been conquered, destroyed, and consumed. Satan has mounted an all-out assault against righteousness and moral living, and he has for years focused on our families, our children, our friends, neighbors, our leaders, teachers, and politicians. Evil, Evil is not a live and let live entity. It is an all-consuming cancer of unrighteousness which seeks to spread and consume everyone in its past. There is no getting along with this evil. Its one goal is to conquer, and that is it. I hope you'll tune in for our next study in the volume two on this subject, Satan's Devices and the Truth Concerning the Battle of Good and Evil in America.